Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So last week what we did to begin to get our minds around the reality of regret is we spent some time walking through the tragic story of Judas Iscariot. And what we learned from Judas is that first of all at its essence regret is really nothing more than this feeling of remorse, sadness, and shame that is caused by something we did we wished we hadn't have done. Big or small, medium, at its essence that's what a regret is. Then, then secondly, we learn, which I think is what's most important, is that regret actually has the power to kill and destroy. Or has this power to take over our lives, keeping us from living into the incredible life that God has for us. There's many, many people who are being held back by their regrets, which ultimately means that regret is not something we can ignore and just hope goes away. And we're really good at this, by the way, or we think we are at least. No, regret's something we have to face and deal with. So it doesn't end up ruining us. So with that foundation being set, what we're going to be doing today to, to continue to wrap our brains around this reality is, first of all, we're going to examine the two most common forms of regret. And, and then once we kind of get those nailed down, we're going to take step number one towards being set free. And warning, step number one is not very fun, but it is necessary. So we begin in Matthew 26, 69 through 75, and it says this. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, you were also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know this man, I swear. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath to God, I do not know the man. I swear to God, I do not know this man. And then Peter, this story just blows me away, because... What makes this story so cringeworthy is that Peter, this outspoken disciple, just a couple of hours before proclaims that even though everyone else would betray Jesus, he would not. In fact, he said he would rather face death than to betray his teacher. But here we find him just a short time later when his life is really on the line, when it really matters, not only betraying Jesus three times, but cursing and even swearing an oath that he doesn't even know the man. And at that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he wept. And he wept bitterly. Or, or this is the place that you guys all know. This is the place of regret. This is the place where those feelings of remorse, sadness, and shame take over, causing Peter to walk away with his tail between his legs, weeping bitterly. Now, what I want you to get from Peter's betrayal is that this story, like the story of Judas that we encountered last week, 
really puts into perspective the first most common type of regret that we all live with. And that is doing something that hurts someone else. Again, the first most common type of regret is doing something that hurts someone else. Or to make this regret a bit more personal, how many of you have spoken hateful words to someone you loved that crushed them? Maybe even words that still resonate in the back of their minds. How many of you at some point in your life have done something that ended up hurting someone else physically? How many of you, because of the hurt that someone else caused you, took it upon yourself to either say or do something to get your revenge and ended up hurting that person? Well, at this point, if you're having very uncomfortable memories begin to flood your mind, then you know this type of regret. Or I would argue that if you're a human being, you know this regret. You know what it's like to do something to hurt someone else, something that you wished you wouldn't have done, something that you would take back if you could, but you can't at this point. Next, Matthew 19, 16 through 22 says, Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, Well, I have kept all of these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give your money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Notice that last part. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. Now, what's going on here is as Jesus is out teaching, Jesus is out doing his thing. There's this rich young ruler. It's kind of the way we normally talk about it. He approaches Jesus to ask a question. I think we all want to know. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus, without blinking an eye, he says, hey, you know, here's what you need to do if you want to live forever in the presence of God. Keep the commandments. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't covet. Remain faithful to your wife and love your neighbor as yourself. To which the man responds, which is the best part of this whole story. He's like, well, Jesus, you're not going to believe this. But I have done that. That's how awesome I am. I got all this stuff put together. What I think of here is this this arrogant guy who's come up to Jesus, and he's probably pretty faithful. He wants to show Jesus that he's a big deal. I've kept all these, so what else do I need to do? Well, that's not usually something you want to do in front of Jesus. So then he fires right back that gets to the core of what this guy really needs to hear. He says, if you wish to be perfect... Go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now, the amazing thing that has happened here that we usually miss because we get so caught up in the business of Jesus talking about sell everything and we're like, wait a minute, is is that dealing with me? I don't want to sell all my stuff, right? We kind of get stuck there. But if you don't get stuck there, what you'll find is that Jesus, despite of this this man's arrogance and self-righteousness, actually calls him to be one of his disciples. Or just like he did with the rest of his 12 disciples, he says to this man, follow me. 
Follow me is about discipleship in the ancient world. Anytime you hear that term, that's like, hey, I want you as one of my own. But what happens in response to that is when the young man heard this word, he didn't jump for joy at this incredible opportunity that was going to change his life. He didn't leave everything behind and follow like all of his other disciples did, right? He wasn't willing to do that. No, instead, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. Or because this man was comfortable, because of all of his stuff, he ended up turning Jesus down and walking away. Which I believe is not only something that he regretted in the moment, right? That's what the grief is all about. But I would argue that this is something this guy is probably going to regret for the rest of his life. And that this is the moment that's going to continue to play over and over again for the rest of his life. This is the moment that he's going to be, what if? What if instead of choosing my stuff, I chose to follow Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God? Or maybe when he hears rumors about all these amazing things that Jesus is doing, he starts to feel it again. I chose this instead of this. What would my life have looked like if I would have done that? Now, what this man has to teach us is that the second most common type of regret is in a sense not what we have done, although it is something that we do. It's what we've left undone. It's the things that we didn't do. In fact, what science is revealing to us through numerous studies is that at the end of your life, your greatest regret probably won't be something that you did. No, your greatest regret will be the things that you didn't do or the what ifs that you'll continue to ask yourself over and over and over again. Or to give you some perspective on these kind of regrets, let me share with you four of the biggest regrets people have towards the end of their life. So regret one is this, not making amends. Not making amends or not taking the opportunity to heal a broken relationship. Regret number two is unaccomplished goals. Not doing that thing that God created you to do. And the reason this usually happens is because good intentioned people simply got caught up in the busyness of life and then it, it got to be too late to do the thing. Or the other reason why that doesn't happen is there's a whole lot of people who live with fear, which I think is a part of this guy's story here. He was scared to leave his stuff to take the risk. And so these people live with this what-if regret. Regret number three is words left unsaid, which is one of those regrets that many of us had because we thought we had more time or because we got caught up in the busyness of life. We never took the moment to say to that person, I love you, or thank you, or all those things that we need to say. And so that's one of the regrets that people live with. And then last but not least, regret number four. Um, and I, this is the one I find very interesting. Working too much. In fact, um, there's no regret like, well, I didn't work enough. It's the other way around. Working too much. Or... What this is usually all about is someone who's devoted their life to a career or a business. And to do this, you, to be successful, you have to do this. It's just a part of it. But then when it's all said and done, they look back and they found that their priorities were out of whack. Maybe they didn't spend enough time with their wife or their kids or, or whatever it was. They, they got their priorities wrong. Or how many of you, your biggest regret is something that you didn't do? Not something that you've done. Something that you didn't do. That's the one that rolls over and over again in your head. 
Okay, so, so now that we have fleshed out the reality of regret, regret a bit more, hopefully what, what that's done is it's, it's brought your regrets to the surface. So what I want you to do is these regrets are coming up is I want you not to do what you normally do. I don't want you to try to push those aside. I don't want you to try to repress those. That's what we're really good at and try to move on. I want you to bring them up and sit with them no matter how hard that may be. Or I want all of you to take about 30 seconds in that one regret. We've all got that one, right? And I just want you to sit with it. Now, as you continue to sit with that regret, the next thing I want you to do, which is actually the first step towards being set free, and again, you're not going to like this, but you have to do it no matter how bad it hurts. So I want you to own your regret. I want you to own your regret. I want you to own the hurt that you have done to others. I want you to own that thing that you didn't do that you wished you would have done. I want you to admit to yourself that I am a part of the problem, that you were the one who spoke those words or did that thing that caused others to suffer. You were the one who didn't choose to take that risk, to do that thing. Just own it or say to yourself, I did that. That's my fault. I am a part of the problem. Now, I know taking ownership of our regrets is something that's much easier said than done, which, by the way, is why a bunch of people continue to live with regrets. But you've got to understand that this step is absolutely necessary. Or like for a drug addict, the first most foundational step they must take in their road to recovery is to admit they have a problem. The same is true when it comes to overcoming our regrets. In that not only do you got to bring them up and face them, but you have to own them. You have to confess that you did that. You are a part of the problem. Now, I wish I could tell you guys that there's an easy button you can push and all your regrets just go away. You guys know what I'm talking about? I would have them all over my office, right? Just all the things to make it easy. But that's not the way it is. It's not what it means to be human. You've got to face these things to overcome them. That's the only way that you can work through this. But the good news in all of this, and yes, there's good news in the midst of all of this, you also need to cut yourself some slack. And the reason I say that is because you're human. And what it means to be human is you're going to have some regrets. You're going to do some things that you wished you didn't do. There's 7 billion people on this planet, and I can guarantee you they all have a regret of one form or another. So what it means to be human is to have regret, but you can't stay there. You can't stay there. That can't be the excuse. Then the other thing you need to know as you're facing up to regrets is that no matter what you have done or haven't done or who you've done it to, or in other words, it doesn't matter how big your regrets may be, you've got to understand that God is for you, not against you in this. God is for you, not against you, and that God wants you to be set free. God wants you to overcome, which means even in the midst of you owning the regrets that you have, no matter how hard, you are not alone. And this is very, very important because usually the regrets that we have probably are a part of sin. And when we think of sin, we think about God being angry with us and punishing us. And sure, God is disappointed and all that kind of stuff. You're going to reap what you sow and all that. But you still need to know that God is with you in this. God wants to set you free from this. God never wants you to stay in that place of your 
regrets. So what you've got to do is just ask. Or here's your assignment for this week. And it's a great assignment. You're welcome. You guys are going to be so happy with this. Your assignment is while you're facing up to and owning your regrets, you need to invite God into this process to give you the strength and the guidance that you need to be set free. So that as you take that step, you'll be ready for the next steps that we're going to take next week. And then next week, you're going to find out that God really does want to set you free. So these regrets will no longer hold you back or so that you can go out into the world and do the incredible things that God created you for. No more excuses. So, I say to you, good luck. God bless. And let us pray. Father, this is a doozy today. There's no doubt about that. Truth is, regret. Oh, some of us have been living with it for years. And yes, it's hard to admit um, that we are the ones who did that thing that hurt someone else. Or, or it's hard to admit that, that we are the ones who didn't make the decision to take the leap. But help us today, O oh Lord, not to repress that any longer, but to own it. To admit to you that, that we are the ones that caused that. And then to ask you to show us the way forward. To ask you to come and help us as we move beyond our regret into the life of freedom. And even more than that, O oh Lord, show us what we need to learn in the midst of this. Because you're a God of resurrection. You can take the worst things we have ever done, even our regret, and use that for good. So Lord, help us do that this week so we'll be ready for the steps to take next week so we can be set free. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.